Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with food professor, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Also, Dave Gallant with the Canadian Canola Growers Association will stop by. Up first in today's country comment, we'll look back on the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair, which was a big success in Brandon last week. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair wrapped up at the Keystone Centre in Brandon over the weekend. The fair welcomed close to 43,000 people through its gates over the six days. Kathy Cleaver, president of the Provincial Exhibition of Manitoba, chatted with reporter Barry Lamb. The past week was uh, great. It was hectic. It was a lot of hard work, but really, really couldn't be happier with the attendance, with... uh, how it rolled out and, you know, how our director stepped up. Uh, I think it was a real much-needed boost for the economy and for everyone's spirit. At 43,000 through the turnstiles, roughly what you were expecting? Well, it was hard to know what to expect, what people's tolerance would be. Uh, I know they were all anxious to get out and start to uh, do something different, to have events. I could sure see it in the kids' excited to be there. It was hard to know what to expect. I I thought people would come out, and it was so last minute with lifting the COVID rules and understanding, you know, just what was going on. So I'm very pleased with the gate. How important was it not to miss a third year of the the Winter Fair? Well, I think that a a third year would have been our uh, undoing. The history is lost. The memory is lost. Uh, Part of the... uh, attraction of the fair is is the memory from grandparents to kids bringing them uh, and some of these kids don't have any memory of of big events so I, I think it would have been catastrophic for us at forty three thousand patrons what does that mean for your bottom line and, and the importance of trying to improve the financial uh, picture for your group oh well you know it could have been it's not what it was in uh, 2019 and that wasn't as good as it ever has been, but we had good weather all through. People were able to come. We were very tight and careful with the uh, spending on the other side. It wasn't maybe we did cut back some things, so I'm sure we'll be we'll be fine as far as the fair. Uh, we'll we'll be back next year. How much momentum does this give you in planning for the summer fair? Well. Uh, a lot of momentum. People will start planning this week. There's been some meetings already for Summer Fair. Uh, we just talked to our Midway provider, and they're excited about coming. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's momentum. The team, our directors work together as a team, and and uh, we have processes in place now where I think this will roll out. This will roll out maybe a little smoother than Winter Fair. And might that give you a chance to get closer to your normal patron numbers, the fact everybody knows now that this show is coming this far ahead? Well, that certainly would help. Um, There seems to be a little competition on the ground here, but yes, we can start our marketing now and start our planning, and I think people can attend with some confidence that uh, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID and just what does this new normal look like. But we'll certainly plan with that in mind, and... We're really looking forward to getting back to our events and 
what our organization is meant to be. Just finally, how have the sponsors been through all this, and, and how important has the role of, of that sponsorship group been to uh, you know making these shows go ahead? Well, I had the opportunity to visit with most of the major sponsors this week in my role as president. They were, you know, I couldn't thank them enough for their support and sticking with us for two years of non-events and coming back here with some risk and who knows what, what it was going to be. But they were very supportive. They're glad to be back and, and uh, look forward to a long relationship with them. That was Kathy Cleaver, president of the Provincial Exhibition of Manitoba, chatting with reporter Barry Lamb about the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair, which wrapped up in Brandon over the weekend. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Farm Credit Canada has released its annual food report, J.P. Gervais. FCC's chief economist says despite the challenges in 2021, food manufacturing saw a pretty strong performance overall. We've had food manufacturing sales that were up you know, 15 or close to 15% in 2021. But some of that number I mean, is driven by the high inflation that we started to see somewhat uh, in the second half of 2021 and that we're seeing now in 2022. Food manufacturing sales reached more than $125 billion in 2021 and are projected to increase 7.4% in 2022. Last year marked the strongest year-over-year sales growth recorded since 1992. And a rancher from Saskatchewan is the new president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Reg Schellenberg says enhancing the business risk management programs so they have a better fit for cattle producers is a key priority going forward. Although we we really appreciate and support the livestock price insurance program, we realize the biggest inequity is the fact that the premiums are not cost shared. And that'll be our big focus is to get, get LPIP, so it is cost-shared premium, just like all other insurance op- opportunities that we have as producers. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, April 4th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Dave Gallant with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Farmers have been taking advantage of the Advanced Payments Program. On April 1st, the first day of the program, Canadian Canola Growers Association issued over $275 million in cash advances, providing more than 1,500 farmers across Western Canada with cash flow. I caught up with Dave Gallant, Director of Finance and Operations, on Friday. We've seen a really good sign-up this year. There's a lot of demand, certainly with, with the increasing costs of inputs, fuel, etc., uh, there's a lot more demand from farmers, uh, especially after last year's harvest and, and how many farmers didn't get a good harvest off. So we've seen a lot more demand in terms of the dollar amount and uh, a lot of customers coming to the door early. Uh, as our press release said, we'll be issuing over $275 million today, uh, which is a record for us. Uh, last year, we'd set a record at just over $200 million. So that gives you a sense of the increased demand that we're seeing from our customers. Any changes in the program this year? The big change for the program this year is the fact that the rates are significantly higher than last year. So the the rates now are more reflective of the values farmers are getting for their commodities. So, for instance, canola this year is worth three sixty three seventy five a ton versus last year was two hundred and fifty two dollars and twenty cents. Wheat's up uh, to one hundred and forty five fifty a ton from one hundred and eleven fifty a ton. So. Even for the same acres that the farmer is seeding this year, they can get significantly more money in terms of cash flow to help put that crop in uh, with this year's rates. Talk a little bit about the the timing of this year's program. 
So we started taking applications from farmers on February the 9th. Uh, today is the first day we can actually issue funds on April the 1st. So the program is now available fully for farmers to sign up from April 1 till next March 31st. And if it's a grain or oil seed advance, farmers have until September 30th of 2023 to pay that advance off. And if it's a uh, livestock advance, they'll have until March 31st, 2024 to pay those off. Just talk a little bit about how the program works. Sure. So we at CCGA do oh, just over 50 different products for farmers, and every product has a, a value, a rate per either head for animals or per ton uh, for grains and oil seeds. So farmers apply based on either their acres that they're planning to seed or have seeded uh, come this spring, or if they've got grain in the bin on tons that are actually in the bin. Uh, the calculation is fairly straightforward, and we will provide the funds directly to you, deposit it into your bank account, and then as the farmer makes delivery of that product over the course of the year, they repay at the same rate we give those advances at. So like I said, with canola being at 363.75 a ton, we'll issue an advance you know, for 1,000 tons, that's $363,000. As the farmer delivers each ton of canola, then they would repay back at 363.75 per ton just want to let farmers know that we are open for business. It's a busy time of year, but we're still uh, working towards a three to five day turnaround time for all the applications that we receive. Uh, no fee at CCGA and prime minus three quarters of a percent, which is going to get more attractive as interest rates start to climb based on what the Bank of Canada is predicting. That was Dave Gallant, Director of Finance and Operations with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Joining us now is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, food professor at Dalhousie University, to talk about the global food crisis. Obviously, uh, it's, it's quite problematic. Uh, the world will likely be short uh, uh, on, a, on a lot of commodities, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, and uh, really, we need to figure out ways to increase yields in North America, including Canada, and, uh, and I think it's time to, to see how we can better support our farmers, essentially, uh, from a cash flow perspective. Uh, and so we have to think about, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the fiscal nature of the business and how we can uh, give them uh, all the help we can, we can give them. Um, sales taxes, uh, I mean, uh, there's also uh, emission targets that, that we need to, uh, to honor, but... Uh, Delaying them could actually be uh, quite appropriate given uh, given the situation we're in globally. Uh, that's that's one thing. Making fertilizer more more accessible and available would be would be key. Uh, the other issue, of course, that we have to think about is this uh, fuel to food for, to fuel uh, uh, situation. This is something we faced uh, back in 2008, 2009, and it's coming back right now thinking about uh, famine uh, in many parts of the world and how we can actually better position uh, the country as a, as, a, uh, as a food provider to the world. That's, um, that's going to be uh, quite important, I think, over the next little while. And, um, you know, if we, if we see an end to the conflict, which would, uh, you know, which would obviously be a good thing, you know, what, what impact could that have on, on farmers as far as uh, pricing? Well, so... Uh, Obviously, over the short term, I think it's important to recognize that uh, that uh, farmers will need to uh, increase productivity. Uh, there's there's been some good news of late, though. Uh, we know that uh, Australia, both Australia and India, have actually increased exports. 
that that is easing uh, the pressure. But uh, for North America, I think it's going to be important to have a very good year. If Mother Nature cooperates, uh, we should be okay. But it's um, you never know what's going to happen, and that's why I think uh, hopefully growing conditions will uh, will be uh, will be will be good this year, unlike last year. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, food professor at Dalhousie University. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The annual general meeting for Manitoba Pork is planned for April 6th at the Fairmont, Winnipeg. You can register on the Manitoba Pork website. The Manitoba Sustainable Energy Association invites you to the annual Sustainable Energy Conference April 6th at the William Glesby Centre in Portage La Prairie. And Manitoba Beef and Forge Initiative is hosting grazing workshops April 12th to the 14th. Register with MBFI. An event takes place April 12th at the Northdale Farm Site north of Brandon, April 13th at the Ericsdale Community Centre, and April 14th at the Grandview Kinsman Community Centre. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. The Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute hosted a webinar on rail reliability last month. One of the speakers was Dr. Malcolm Cairns. Over several decades, the railways have satisfied the total demands of shippers and matched the growth of Canadian GDP. They've achieved significant productivity gains of some 2% year after year and have shared that improvement with a steady decline in real freight rates and a steady reductions in accidents. This has been achieved in part by a very significant capital expenditure of some 20% each year of revenues. And railways, of course, are one of the most capital intensive industries. And this has also been accompanied by improving returns to investors. Now, focusing more closely on the re- their recent grain plans, I note the following points. On freight cars, each of CP and CN has publicly committed to acquire some 6,000 new high-capacity grain hopper cars, and to date, they are roughly halfway through their acquisitions. These cars are shorter, wider, can carry more grain than the hoppers being retired, and can be loaded and unloaded more efficiently, and are more reliably thereby reducing maintenance delays. On locomotives, both railways have recently modernized their locomotive fleets with high horsepower and fuel-efficient locomotives. CP has acquired 386 of these, and CN is adding another 75 to their complement of 260 that's already been acquired. On track infrastructure, CP is currently extending sidings and installing centralized traffic control on eight subdivisions in the West to increase line capacity. Um, and um, and while CN is investing 250 million on double track sidings and yard track expansion projects. On, particularly on technology, CP is investing significantly here to reduce terminal dwell time, increase reliability ship, shipments, and de- decrease service interruptions and reduce cycle times. This involves above rail technologies. This is wheel life forecasting, cracked wheel detection, wheel impact load detectors predictive bearing failure sensors, and train airflow monitoring. Also below wheel technologies, such as broken rail detection on non-signal tracks and enhanced rail floor detection. Similarly, CN is investing in the acquisition and implementation of cutting edge technology 
including technology to detect, mitigate, and prevent disruptions from washouts, rockfalls, and landslides. On operations, in recent years on the operational front, both railways operate longer and heavier trains with distributive power to improve capacity and productivity. CP has implemented a dedicated train program which gives shippers the ability to lock in capacity for a 12 month period. It commits CP to provide the capacity, shippers to commit to use the capacity and reciprocal penalties. CP has also implemented a high efficiency train model, which provides economic incentives for high throughput elevators to load 8,500 foot trains in 12 hours or less. CEN has also improved operations in Vancouver and Prince Rupert with capacity enhancements that enable greater throughput and is increasing the number of air distribution cars that it has to 101 for more reliable train operations during cold weather. On relationships, both railways indicate their commitment to improved collaboration and communication with stakeholders in the whole of the grain handling system. Um, on four final matters, I think that, that you are particularly interested in, I will make the say the following. Perhaps much of the general concern of shippers relates to service disruptions and delays, which arise from events such as cold weather or flooding, which has already been mentioned. Such events are obviously beyond the control of the railways and are an annual risk. But it's too early to say whether climate change will make them more frequent in the short run. It has been suggested that the railways should provide excess capacity above and beyond what's required to serve expected peaks in order to address such events. However, this raises two immediate questions. Who is willing to pay higher freight rates in order to provide such excess capacity? And to what extent would such excess capacity also be affected by the events themselves? That was Dr. Malcolm Cairns. He took part in a webinar hosted last month by the Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute talking about rail reliability. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Red Schellenberg, a rancher from Saskatchewan, is moving from the director's chair to the president's seat at the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Schellenberg says there are a number of key issues to address, including the emphasis on climate change. Canadian Cattlemen's is definitely uh, wanting to be right up, right up front and promoting the fact that Ranchers and cattle producers across this country are, are maintaining and utilizing stewardship practices that are enhancing the ecosystem and definitely cattle are the solution, not the problem. And that's the key message that we want to emphasize with, with the federal government. He notes while in Ottawa for the AGM, they took the opportunity to meet with government officials and MPs. And despite the challenges in 2021, food manufacturing saw a pretty strong performance overall with sales increasing by almost 15% to $125 billion for the year. J.P. Gervais, FCC's chief economist, says the annual food report shows a picture of resiliency for the sector. Given as well all the different other challenges that food manufacturers actually saw in 2021, if you think of COVID was a, a big driver of business in terms of, you know, sometimes the availability of workers, labor shortages, transportation challenges, bottlenecks in supply chains, um, so there have been a number of different things, but overall, I think pretty strong performance in 2021. And I do think that despite some of the challenges remaining, I think we're looking at a uh, encouraging 2022 as well. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. 
We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details on the MFGA's Green Gold Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.